Good morning, church family. It's great to see you all here on this 4th of July weekend, even though it's that awkward 4th of July weekend where 4th of July is like on a Tuesday. So it's that awkwardness where it's like, do we work on, you know, Monday? Should we take the day off? Like, what, what should we do here? Uh, for sure. But hope you're going to have a great time and have, be safe with your family and friends if you're celebrating. If you're shooting off fireworks, of course, be safe there. We don't want to hear reports of your hand getting blown off. So just uh, be real there. Just be careful there for sure. But hey, I am uh, Pastor Mike. I'm the children's family pastor here at Woodland and also director of awesomeness. Of course, that's a self-proclaimed title I got because I went to Hobby Lobby one day and I saw a plaque that said that. And so that's what I am uh, for sure. But it's just an honor to be here with you guys today as I fill in for Pastor Tim, who's on a much-deserved vacation that he is. Uh, for sure. You know, you're selling 27 years, Pastor Tim has been here, so it's just been awesome. He's been here for so long. Absolutely. For sure. Uh, but it's so good uh, to be here with you guys today. Now, uh, dad jokes, okay? Oh, I heard some moans, right? You either love them or hate them. You know, if you think about dad jokes, you either hear them and you laugh out loud, or you just give an eye roll. As a dad of four kids myself, three, three girls and one boy, uh, I love dad jokes, okay? Dad jokes are, are where I stay in my lane. You know, cheesier the joke, the better. You know, I have so many dad jokes that I had to put them all in my database. Database, right. Yeah, Do you, you know when a, a joke becomes a dad joke? When it becomes apparent. Apparent. Wow, okay, yeah. So you thought those were bad. Here's a few more dad jokes for you. Uh, because, yeah, of course. So here we go. So why do bankers eat by themselves? It's because they're loners. They're loners. Yeah. yeah. How many months have 28 days? All of them, right? Some dads knew this one. They said it out loud. It's a good job, dads. All of them do. This is a sad joke. Why couldn't the flower ride a bike? It's lost its petals. That's so sad. Poor flower. And, of course, you want to hear a pizza joke? No, it's too cheesy. I can't share that one with you guys. I can't share that one. Yeah, hey, 4th of July, right? So uh, what genre of music is uh, anthems? You know, our anthem. It's country music, of course. Country music. You probably knew that one. Now, if you rearrange letters in mailman, those mailmen get really upset. Do not do that. Don't rearrange those letters. Okay. Uh, here's some Bible jokes are always good. Uh, what does Moses, or how does Moses make his coffee? Do you know? He brews it, of course. He brews it. Right. Dads are laughing the loudest. I love it. Thank you, dads. Uh, another Bible joke. At what time of day was Adam created? A little before Eve. A little before Eve. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Two more for you. See, I was named after my dad. I was. Great guy. I was named after him because there's no way I would be named before him to, before because he was born. Okay, geez. All right, last, last one. Thank the Lord, right? Last one. Uh, you know, I got this awful disease of telling airport jokes. It's so bad. I went to the doctor, and he gave me my diagnosis. He told me it's terminal. It's terminal. Right. I know. Okay. Now, these jokes might not be included in the genre of comedy, Right? But with comedy, timing is everything. You see, comedians spend years developing this art of timing because you could easily mess up a joke or a punchline or a, a stand-up routine when you mess up timing. 
right? If I rushed the joke or went too long, it just maybe not as worked as well, okay? Now, I am a believer that timing is everything. My wife laughs at me, ridicules me, shame on youing, because of how religious I am about this belief. Because I believe that if you say the right things at the right moment, it's going to resound better. People are going to be more receptive. But my wife, on the other hand, she thinks it as me being lazy, as me just putting off, you know, a confrontation, or just, you know, her belief is there's not really a right time. Just do it, okay? But again, think about your own conversations you've had with people. If you waited for the right time, maybe those words sink a little deeper, or maybe those actions that you did maybe worked out better, all right? So I don't know. But speaking of this concept, this, this thought about timing is everything, we're going to look at three stories in our Bible today that deal with this point. But before we look into those stories, we have to understand something about time itself. So if you have an outline sheet, hopefully you do, you walked in here and got one. In the first part of your outline, we see a section called Time According to God. So I want you just to look through this because it's important to keep in the back of your minds as we go through the message today. So the first thing you got to understand about time in relation to God is that he is the author of time. God is the author of time. He created time. We know this because he created the earth, right? In Genesis 1, 14 through 50 on your outline sheet that says this. Now, there's a lot of verses on your outline sheet, okay, which is awesome. I love verses. I love the Bible here. It's God's word. It is inspiring. It is just amazing. It's 100% true. And so I just got up here. My Bible is like falling apart, which means I love this thing so much. And so I'm not going to read all the verses here, but I'll paraphrase some. But here in this verses here, we see the creation story. When did God create time, right? He put the, the sun in the sky. He put the moon at night. He made the stars. He also made the seasons for us to enjoy, even though this season of summer is really, really hot, and I'm not enjoying it as much, okay? But because of that, God created it. We could go to our second point on that, and the second one is that God is in control of time, right? God created time to bring organization to the world and human lives, but God controls time. When I'm talking to, to kids, and in, in time of when I say to them about how God controls something, I use Legos as an example, Okay, Legos. When you create something out of Legos, you are the creator, so you're in charge of it. You could say to them, hey, I don't want that piece here to someone else or, or whatever it might be. So for God, he created time, so he controls it. In Proverbs 16.9, the last part there, it says, but the Lord establishes their steps, which basically means that if he establishes them, he makes them into action. It's because he controls those things. Okay, so God created it. He's the author of time. He's in control of time. And the last thing you know about time is that God is all-knowing of time. God is all-knowing of time. In, in Matthew 24, 36, these are Jesus' words himself. It says this, right? No one knows when the day or time will be. And he's referring to the end times, okay? It says the sun and, and the angels in heaven don't even know when it will be. Only the Father knows. So Jesus, God's son, doesn't even know everything about time. Only God does. So again, because of these three points about time, God uses time in his own way to do his will on, on his time, okay? You got to understand, right? So it's not God uses Mike's way in Mike's will on Mike's time. No, God uses his time 
in his own way. Sometimes when we pray, we, we get mixed up. We say, I want my time, my will, my, my, my. But that's not the case. We're not in control, right? We didn't create time. God did. And so because of these three things, I believe that we could trust God no matter what. God's timing is always perfect. Ours, not so much. So we could trust God with our time. Well, we could trust God with everything in our lives. Now, our first story to illustrate about timing is everything is found in John chapter 11, verse 1 through 44. So if you have your Bible there, you could turn along and you could read along with me, okay? When we do this with the kids, we have encouraged them to bring their Bibles and open up to God's Word and uh, read verses out loud for us. So for you guys out there, if you could, open up your Bible and do that. So John chapter 11, verse 1 through 44. So this story is the story of Lazarus. Now, Lazarus, some backstory for us. Lazarus is the brother of Martha and Mary, whom Jesus called friends. So one day, Jesus uh, gets a message saying, Lazarus is sick. Come heal him. Come heal him right away. However, Jesus responds back to that message by saying, the sickness will not end in death. And so he stayed two additional days in Bethany, which is just east of the Jordan here. And the reason he stayed there for two additional days is because this area was experiencing great fruit. A lot of people there were, ex- were accepting who God was, listening to Jesus' message, and believing who he was. So, of course, he wanted to stay there, right? There's a lot of fruit. People are growing and understanding who God is. But eventually, Jesus does go to Jerusalem. However, Lazarus is dead, and he's actually been dead for four days. So on his way to Jerusalem, Martha shows up. Now, Martha, she is not happy, okay? She's actually upset with Jesus, right? You can tell this because there's like, in my Bible, there's an exclamation point, okay? She's upset. So Martha goes to Jesus, and she questions Jesus' motives. She's like, Jesus, why have you not been here earlier? My brother wouldn't have died. You know, that's my fake mom yelling at your kid voice, right? Why don't you put your, clean your room? You know, that type of stuff. So Martha was upset. She had that with Jesus. And then they had a conversation. Jesus' conversation was about him being the son of God. Martha said that she fully understood what he was saying, but really, she really, really didn't understand, okay? Well, after that interaction, Mary shows up. Now, unlike Martha, Mary is sad. And so she questions Jesus' motives well, as well, but with tears, like, <laughs> Jesus. Why? Why didn't you come? If you would have, he would have been alive today. <laughs> okay. Well, seeing this, Jesus cried himself. The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus cried is in this, this story here. So here we go. We're going to pick up the story in John eleven thirty eight. 38. It says, once more, Jesus felt very sad. He came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone in front of the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, by, the time, by this time there's a bad smell. Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Then Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see God's glory? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up into heaven and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. I said this so that they would believe that you sent me. Then Jesus called in a loud voice, 
hey, Lazarus, come on out, brother. Okay, he doesn't really say that, but come on out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen, and a cloth was around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the clothes he was buried in and let him go. So in this story, how timing is everything, let's focus in on a key passage here, okay? The passage that we want to focus on is on your outline sheet, John eleven four. So it reads here, it says this, right? When Jesus heard this, he said, this end of the sickness will not be death. No, this sickness is for the glory of God. This has happened to bring glory to the Son of God. So our first point about timing is everything. Timing is everything because it shows others God's glory. So in this story, Jesus said to himself, this will not end in death because it's going to show others God's glory. Now we have to answer the question, what is God's glory? Well, here's the definition on your sheet. It says this, God's glory are adjectives that describe his character. Now this definition, you know, is, is very simple. A lot of the things I'm sharing with you guys today is simple. But the words, the adjectives that describe God's character. In Exodus 34, 6 through 7, we see these adjectives, these words that describe who God is, his character. It said he's merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, faithfulness, keeping steadfast love, forgiving inequities and transgressions and sin. Other examples, right? God is, uh, he's, has might, he's beautiful, he's goodness, he has justice, he's honoring and the thing about God's character, you guys, is it, it stays the same. There's no passing of time for God because he created, he's in control of it. So God's character stays the same no matter what. You can't, you can't be like, oh, God, you do this and that. No, God is the same, unlike us. God's the same no matter what. And so we read here in the story of Lazarus that Jesus uses God's glory as a way to show his might and power. See, the power here is the victory over death. Only God has the power to overcome death. So Lazarus came, overcame death, but through Jesus using God's power. Jesus was then using this situation as a way to show others what would happen. What's about to happen? Well, the glory of God was going to be on display by Jesus dying on the cross. Because he died on the cross because it shows an act of self-giving, which was a sacrifice. And that completes the work that God sent him to do. How do we know this? In verse 25, in the same very story, it says just that point. That's why we could take out this, that the disciples, Mary and Martha, said they believe who Jesus was. I believe everything. But they did not truly understand the power Jesus has over life and death. So Jesus uses this time in this story, as a teaching tool, he taught other people who God is, his character, but he also taught them about the power that he has. Now, if Jesus acted too quickly in the story, if he just said, oh, I'm leaving here, I'm just going to go heal him, then Lazarus, you know, he would just been sick and not dead, and God's glory wouldn't have been shown. If he acted too slow, if he was waited too long, you know, people probably would have forgotten, and God's glory for others wouldn't be on display. So he used time in the right way, in the right moment, again, to show others God's glory. On your outline sheet, it says this, God uses the passing of time as a way to demonstrate an attribute of his character. 
And we read in 2 Peter 3, 8 through 9. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So here, Peter is saying that one of our days could equal a thousand days of God. Or a thousand days for God is one day of God, you know, vice versa here. But it doesn't matter what the days are, because it says here in Scripture that he is patient with us, one of his character traits. He keeps his promises, another character trait of God. So we could trust and depend on him no matter what, especially in the area of our time. Waiting, though. Martha, Mary, his friends, for Lazarus, they had to wait for Jesus to get there. For us, waiting. Waiting's tough. I have a two-year-old. Waiting for him is horrible. Like this morning, like he woke up and every morning he demands a sandwich, which is like a waffle with Nutella in it. Okay, squished over. Like that's what he eats. Not the healthiest, don't judge. But he wants that. And he's, I say, hey, be patient, wait. No, no, I don't want to wait, wait. You know, he's like a two-year-old. And sometimes we could be like a two-year-old. We don't want to wait. We don't want to wait for the test results. We want them now. We don't want to wait for the professional opportunities. We want them now. Whatever it might be, we have to wait. But here's the thing I do know, especially from the story for us, is when we wait, and when the waiting is finally over, an attribute of God will be made known to you. That's what happened in this story. They waited and they saw God's glory in the form of his might and power overcoming death. So for us, in the waiting... Let's say you, professional opportunity, you waited, you waited, you waited, you prayed, you waited, whatever it might be, and then you finally got the word, you got that raise. You got that raise. Well, what, char- what attribute, what character of God was shown? Well, it shows this, that God is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. He provided for you. Or what about this? What if this? What, what if you got cancer? Okay, we don't want, it's horrible, right? Cancer's horrible. You got cancer. You went through chemo. You prayed, and you got the news, you're cancer-free. Praise the Lord. So what is that? Well, God is Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord heals, because he's our healer, not only physically, but he is emotionally and spiritually as well, and physically as well. But sometimes you pray in the waiting, and he doesn't heal, right? Has that happened to you? And someone dies that you love. Then what then? Well, God is Jehovah Shalom which means God, he's the Lord of peace. And so during the times of waitings, which is so difficult, God's glory will be made known to you at the end. It could be tomorrow when the waiting is over. It could be five years. It could be on your deathbed. I don't know, but we have to trust in God because his character remains the same and his time is always perfect. The second story we're going to focus on is about a wee little man. I'm not going to sing it for you. In Luke 19, 1 through 9, we read about a man named Zacchaeus. In verse 2, we see Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Now, tax collectors were, um, were people who go around and take, take taxes from people, right? In the Roman government, they would go to your door, give me some money, but they would charge an upcharge for it because they'll send the money to, to the government, but then they'll keep some extra for themselves. So this process was, um, you know, dishonest, and it could be abused really easily. So the Jews here hated tax collectors. 
Not because they just lied and cheated, but they also hung out with Gentiles. And Gentiles are people who do not belong to the Jewish religion or way. So tax collectors are lumped into people who are non-desirables, misfits, outcasts, sinners, all that. In verse 3, we read that Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. Because I imagine as he went around collecting these taxes, people, he heard about stories about Jesus. And then he found out Jesus is coming to my town. I want to know more about Jesus. So he decided, I'm going to experience him for myself. But the problem was his size. So we're going to pick up the story in, in, in Luke 19, verse 3. It says, Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was a short man. He could not see Jesus because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. He wanted to see Jesus who was coming that way. Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was. He looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Now all the people saw this. They began to whisper among themselves. They said, Jesus has gone to be guest of sinners. But Zacchaeus stood up. He said, look, Lord, here and now, I'm going to give half of what I owe to those who are poor. And if I cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay it back. I will pay back four times the amount I took. And in verse 9, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to your house. You are a member of Abraham's family line. The Son of Man came to look for the lost and to save them. So in this story, let's focus on that one passage that talks about how timing is everything. It's on your outline sheet as well. Luke 19, 5 through 6. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and saw him. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So how does this relate? Well, timing is everything because it shows others God's grace. Timing is everything because it shows others God's grace. Let's answer the definition of what is grace. Really simply, it's this. God's grace is the undeserved gift of forgiveness of sins through faith. It's the undeserved gift of forgiveness of sins through faith. Ephesians 2.8 says that, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not for yourself, it's a gift of God. So it's the act of forgiveness with no strings attached. When we forgive or try to forgive, some often human tendency is to forgive but with strings attached. For God, there's nothing. You're forgiven. It's grace. And it's nothing that we could do. It's a gift from him. Who likes free gifts? I know I do. It's a gift freely given to us. So in the story of Zacchaeus, Jesus extends this grace to Zacchaeus through the use of his time. Due to Zacchaeus' status for being a chief tax collector, no one wanted to offer him grace. No one wanted to spend time with him. Now, everyone was then shocked when they saw Jesus said, hey, Zacchaeus, I want you to be my host for the day. Now, I believe Jesus asked Zacchaeus because he saw a change of heart in Zacchaeus. Because in that moment, Zacchaeus, he had his status. He was respected. But he didn't care about that in the moment. He went ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus. All he cared about was Jesus in that time. So then Jesus, in the day, okay, was his host, Zacchaeus and Jesus, hung out. He built up a relationship with him, Jesus did. And then through that, it shows Zacchaeus that he is valued. And so on your outline sheet, it says, what you do with your time 
shows what you value and your priorities. What you do with your time shows what you value and your priorities. Jesus' priorities were people and loving on them. This should be, again, the same for ourselves. Here's the point about time. It's on your sheet as well. Time is the only resource we can never get back. We could always get more money, okay? We could always get some more material things. But time is the thing we can't get back. You know, I love movies. One of my favorite movies is Back to the Future. But, guys, I don't have a DeLorean. If I had a DeLorean, I could get time back. But then all of a sudden, you mess up with the time-space continuum, and then you come back to the future where you are now, and it's not the future, it's not the past, it's some weird thing, okay? So we can't mess with time. We just got to understand that time is the only resource we can never get back. In James 4.14, it says this, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. It's true. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You are a mist. You're a vapor. It's here one day and gone the next. That sounds kind of morbid, but it's true. We don't know. You're here one day and gone the next. Now, we could argue that due to Zacchaeus being a cheat, liar, and a sinner, he doesn't deserve grace, but Jesus thought otherwise. In our lives, we probably know people who are sinners like Zacchaeus. Newsflash! You are a sinner as well. It says it in the book of Romans that we all sin. What's sin? Sin is this thing that goes against what God wants for our lives. It's disobedience. And we don't want that. And so for those, though, who know Jesus, have a personal relationship with him, those of you in here who have that, in this story with time, we need to be like Jesus. You see, we need to use our time to show others, despite their shortcomings, a key as reference, shortcomings, they are loved, they are valued, and they are worthy of grace, because we all are. Here at Woodland, we have a, a saying. It's not a saying. It's a, it's a philosophy. It's just a heartbeat, pretty much. It's on the outside of that wall when you leave. You probably even noticed it, right? It's a banner out front, I believe, too. It says this, right? Every day matters. Every day. It's a time. Every day is a great day to love God with your time, love other people with your time, and then do something about it with your time, okay? So here's some questions you got to think about with your time. Whom do you need to text or call, if you're old school, right, to go get a cup of coffee with this week, to chat, just reconnect? Who is that? Whom do you need to forgive? No strings attached, right? Who, do you, who is that? Maybe for their current or past actions against you. Who do you need to call? And of course, whom do you need, who, who do you know that needs to hear about Jesus and his saving grace? Who is that? Jesus spent time with others. And we need to make relationships like he did a priority. And guys, this is coming from an introvert, okay? Now, you might think introverts don't like people. That's not true. We like people. We just uh, are introverts. We get our energy from being alone. People suck our energy out extroverts, they come in, and you know they're extroverts because they get energy through being around people, right? Introverts like myself, I'd rather be with a small group of people or one-on-one or whatever, but extroverts, they're like, yeah, people, yeah, high five. You could tell when they come in the room. Like, during the pandemic, introverts, that's where we love that, right? Extroverts, they struggle, okay? But regardless of your introvert or extrovert, you have to make relationships a priority. And so time, 
Timing is everything because it shows others God's grace. Our last story. This story illustrates timing is everything, takes place in the cloak of darkness. That's my Batman impression there. There you go. I know you guys like that. In John 3, chapter 3, 1 through 21, we read a story with an unusual encounter Jesus had with a Pharisee. A Pharisee, that they were an influential religious sect within Judaism made up of um, middle-class businessmen and leaders of the synagogue. Now, Pharisees held strict uh, observant of the traditional written law, and uh, Jesus, he kind of called them out on it because they were hypocrites. They would follow this rule, but maybe not that one. And of course, Pharisees did not like Jesus, not because he called them out, but because Jesus had the power to disrupt their way of life. They liked their cushy life. So one day, a Pharisee who was a Jewish ruler, okay, he was like a Pharisee above the Pharisees, was very curious about this thing, who Jesus was and what he did and what he said. So much like Zacchaeus in the previous story, Nicodemus here just had to talk to Jesus himself, but he did it at night because he had fear, the fear of other people seeing him. So he approached Jesus during the dark of night, and that's where we read this story. So if, again, if you have a Bible, you can read along in John chapter 3, verse 2. It says this. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. We know that God is with you. If he weren't, you couldn't do the miraculous signs you are doing. Jesus replied, what I'm about to tell you is true. No one can see God's kingdom without being born again. How can I be born again when I'm old? I can't go back and send my mother. I can't be born a second time. True statement. Jesus answered, what I'm about to tell you is true. No one can enter God's kingdom without being born through water and the Holy Spirit. People give birth to people, but the Spirit will give birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised when I say, you must all be born again. In verse 9, how can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher. Don't you understand these things? In verse 13, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. He is the Son of Man. Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, and the Son of Man must be lifted up also. Then everyone who believes in him can live with God forever. And in verse 16, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son. Anyone who believes in him will not die, but have everlasting life, eternal life. God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world. He sent his Son to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not judged, but anyone who does not believe is judged already. He has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So in this story again, how is timing is everything? Let's focus on John 3, chapter 16 through 17. And it, you know, again, kids, they have this verse memorized. If you're anything, growing up in church or anything like that, you probably have this verse memorized. But probably just the 16 part, not the 17. But it says it on your outline sheet. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So timing is everything in the story because it shows others God's plan. It shows others God's plan. The question, what is God's plan? God's plan is the gospel message. The good news. Some of us in here know what it is, right? Some in here might not. Well, this is what it is. The gospel message 
is the who, the what, the how, the why of Jesus' life. Jesus is the gospel message and what he did. Now, Jesus summarizes this to Nicodemus. We know this in the verses that we just read, and it's on your outline sheet, and you can fill it in as I read this. So the message Jesus is saying is this. I am God's son. God sent me to this world out of the love he has for you. I will be lifted up on a cross to die for those to be healed of their sins. Again, going back to the text, that's a reference to the whole Moses lifting up the staff of the snake because that was a healing. You can read that in the book of Exodus. But we'll come back alive. And anyone who believes that will be reborn. Remember he was saying this about being reborn in the spirit? Anyone who believes that will be reborn into life with God forever in heaven. Because when we die, our spirit is going to go to two places, heaven or hell. Hell is eternal separation from God. Heaven is everlasting with God, with the spirit. And God wants us to be there. In Romans 10, 9, it says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Paul goes ahead and takes that gospel message that Jesus said to Nicodemus and simplifies it even more for us. When I'm speaking to the kids about this, we even simplify that. We say it's the ABCs. A, admit to God that you do wrong, you're disobedient, you sin. B, believe that Jesus is God's son who died on the cross for your sins to be forgiven. And C, confess out loud that he is ruler and Lord of your life. ABCs. Maybe that's the first time you're hearing that in here today, which is awesome. Just let that marinate in your soul, okay? God's plan, though, it's been in the works for a very long time. However, the time between the prophet Malachi in the Old Testament to the birth of Jesus was about 400 years or so. And during that time, no messages from God were at all, zero, none. Talk about a long waiting period. Now, I can imagine during that time, which is called the time of silence, right, the period of silence, that people started to forget about God's plan. They didn't have the Bible like we do, okay? They didn't have any of that. All they had were oral, verbal motions about God's plan. And what was God's plan for them? God's plan for them was the coming of a Messiah, a Savior. For us, we already have that. We already know that. But for them, it was waiting for that coming. And also during those 400 years, the world changed because we have the Roman government, actually Roman Empire rising, which were very brutal and hard for the, for the Jews. And to make matters worse for them, Judaism, their own religion, became a political institution. And so for the people during this time of waiting, they probably got confused. They probably got you know, upset and frustrated and even doubted God's plan. You know, when God finally broke the silence with the angel Gabriel, it was shocking. Mary, Jesus' own mom, even questioned kind of the timing of God's plan. She asked, how can this happen? I'm not important. I'm insignificant. Is this even the right time? What in the world's happening? And questions like this, you guys, are okay. It's okay to doubt in the waiting. It's okay to doubt God's time. 
Questions like, why didn't he answer that? Why didn't he answer this? Where was God in this situation? Where was he in that? I prayed. I had a great heart. and I, I just don't get it. But the thing is, I don't want you to stay there because you become a cynic. You start to hate God. And sometimes people turn away because of it. But here's the thing. You've got to remember, timing is everything. See, when you look back in time either your own life or someone else's, it puts things into perspective. Here on this table, I got a jar of marbles. Now, this jar of marbles is important because we use this as an illustration for our child dedication class. We talk about how losing your marbles, okay, not like mentally. But here in this jar, there should be 936, should be. Each marble represents one week from a child when they're born till when they graduate and leave the house at 18-ish. I know you're like, but my kid's been there for, you know, he's 30 years old, okay? But this is on average, all right? And so we use this as a visual reminder when it comes to time. We say, hey, parents, take out one marble each week. And what happens is you see the time kind of getting less and less, which will make you super depressed. But hopefully it will make you see that the time that you have left, you should make it count. Make it memorable. Make it amazing. Because that's the power of time. And I think that's the same thing here, you guys. I think journaling is a great practical exercise for you to do to help you look back at what God has done in your life. You know, you could do it on paper if you're old school. Or there's an app that I use that could do journaling. And it could be like a, taking a picture and writing about it, whatever it is. For adults, it's easy for us to do that because we have some time. For teenagers, for kids, it's hard for us because time is just this weird concept. So if you're an adult, come alongside a teenager. Come alongside a kid and help them see this. Because when we look back at our time, it helps us. It helps us see God's plan. Because timing is everything. Because it shows others God's plan. Jesus. He used his time on earth. It was really short, but he used his time on earth to point people to God. And ultimately, he sacrificed himself for the people God loves so much. Jesus, he came at the right time, the right moment in time to do what he did, all according to God's plan. God has a plan for every one of you out here, from the young all the way to the old. You're like, I can't be, I'm like 80, I have no plan. You know? No, that's not true. God's still at work. He has a plan for everyone. How do I know this? Well, let's go back to the scriptures. You see, God, during this time, uh, there was like this Babylonian exile with the Israelites. And they were taken away from their homelands. God sent a prophet named Jeremiah to give those in captivity a message. And this message that God gave to Jeremiah for those people, I think, is still the same and good truth for us today. You probably have this saying on your house, like on a wall or something, a nice thing. But it's on your outline sheet. And I took the time to bold in some of the key words here. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. It says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. I will listen to you. 
you will seek me and find me, and when you seek me with all your heart. I think a lot of us make a mistake by focusing on this verse, the whole plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Yay! Okay, that's, guys, that's, that's not, that's not, don't, don't stay there, okay? Because there are going to be times that are going to be tough. There are going to be times that are going to be bad. But, again, God's a God that keeps his promises. He will not cause you any pain in his terms. But I do want you to focus on the hope and future part, right? Because it says God's plan is for us to have a hope and future. And that hope and future we have is in Jesus. During the Babylon exile, they didn't have Jesus. They didn't have that yet. We do. So all our hope and our future is in Jesus. And again, we are going to experience and have moments that are tough, that are hard, that are painful. And in those moments, in these verses, God wants us to go to him and call on him. Pray to him. That's what we do. Pray to him. Seek him. And then it does say, again, promises that God will find you. But here's the kicker and the horrible part for you. He'll find you in his own time and not in your time. It's such a drag, but it's true. Because here's the thing again about God that I love. His time, it's always right. His time is always perfect. His time is always beautiful. And there's a last verse I'll share with you guys and read. It's from Ecclesiastes, and there's on your outline sheet as well. Ecclesiastes, written by one of the wisest men here. Here it says in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, there's a time for everything. There's a time for everything that is done on earth. There's a time to be born, and there's a time to die. There's a time to plant, and there's a time to pull up, weed, or pull up what is planted. There's a time to kill, and there's a time to heal. There's a time to tear down, and there's a time to build up. There's a time to cry, and there's a time to laugh. There's a time to be sad, and a time to dance. There's a time to scatter stones, and there's a time to gather them. There's a time to hug, and there's a time not to hug. There's a time to search, and there's a time to stop searching. There's a time to keep, and there's a time to throw away. There's a time to tear, and there's a time to mend. There's a time to be silent, and there's a time to speak. There's a time to love, and there's a time to hate. There's a time for war, and there's a time for peace. What does the worker get from his hard work? I've seen the heavy load God has put on men. In verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Now, you might be going through a season right now that it doesn't seem very beautiful, where it does seem tough, and you feel like God has abandoned you, where you might be like, you're just in pain all the time, maybe not physically, maybe emotionally or spiritually or something like that. But just remember, the season you're in, it's beautiful. How do I know this? Because the story of Lazarus, an attribute, a characteristic uh, is of God's gonna be made known to you during that time of waiting. You could trust him no matter what, because he's perfect. His character never changes. Or maybe you're like, how can I be going through this right now? Is this part of God's plan for me? Well, yeah, that stinks, right? But why, why do I say that? Because his plan for you is Jesus. Maybe he's letting you go through these things to help you to see who Jesus is. Maybe he's going through these things to help you rely on God more and strengthen your faith. James talks about that, how you're going through trials to strengthen your faith and help you grow. 
You see, we all have the same amount of time, the same 24 hours in a day. You could use that time to play video games, be on social media and scroll Instagram or TikTok or whatever, or works 80 hours a week, which is crazy, or maybe take naps all day, which sounds awesome. I don't know what you use your time for, but I do know that you should use your time to show others God's glory, show others God's grace, and show others God's plan. Every day, it's a great day to love God, love others, and do something about it. Timing's everything. Last thing to remember, if you like walk out of here like Pastor Mike spoke a lot about blah, blah, blah. So one thing to take away, God's timing is always perfect. You might not think so, but it is. His timing is always perfect. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He values you. And I hope that if you're new, this is something new for the first time, that you'll catch that in your soul, in your heart. If this is old news for you, I pray that it reignites your soul, that he loves you and wants a relationship with you. We're going to pray here, and if that's you, if you if you have some questions about the message today, about God, his character, or maybe you just want to pray about the time, you could come up here to the front and, and pray, or if you don't feel comfortable with that, you could go in the back where it says the journey begins, and you could talk to someone, pray back there. But we just want to take a moment to, to pray and think about your time. Who do you need to talk to? What do you need to change? What are your values? What are your priorities? So let's do that right now. So let's have a moment. We're going to pray. If you want to come up, and you could do that here. So let's just see, take a moment. Father God, we just thank you so much for what you give us, God. God, we thank you for creating time, God, and what that means for our lives. God, you are a perfect God. You never change, and we thank you for that. God, we thank you that you love us unconditionally, no strings attached. You forgive us of all the wrongs that we do, and there's a lot of them, God. I pray right now, God, that anyone out here that needs to know who you are or maybe rededicate themselves to you, they'll just do that today. If it's the silent right now or if it's with someone else, God, please help them see that. God, for those, I pray that they could go out here today and, and just maybe show people these three things about time. God, we thank you for the time that we have with you today, this morning. We thank you for this church where we could gather in your name. And of course, we thank you for our country that we could do this freely, God. We thank you so much that we could be here. Of course, we, we think, think of the sacrifices that our people in our armed forces did so we could be here today as we celebrate you, we talk about you, and of course, as we celebrate our country on Tuesday, God. God, I pray that these people will use their time wisely God, we just love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins. It's in your name we pray all these things. Amen.
All right, church. Well, thank you guys so much for, for being here. Again, if you want to talk to anybody, we have our counseling center over, over there. Um, and of course, anyone up here, if you want to pray as well. But we appreciate you uh, so much. Have a blessed week. And again, have a safe 4th of July. Celebrate with your family and friends. And uh, you're dismissed. We'll see you later.